Gascoigne, he can finish it here! Paul Gascoigne, 2-0! But I still see that tackle by Moore And when Lineker scored, Bobby Belt in the ball And nobody doubts it And Gerrard! Oh, what a goal! What a strike from Steven Gerrard! Hello and welcome to the first instalment of What the Forks Euro 2020, although it's 2021 coverage. Today we'll be previewing England as we head into Euro 2020 joint favourites with France and we'll be assessing the squad, our chances and looking through all of the talking points heading into our opening game on June the 13th. To join us is a, a small band of merry men. First and foremost, I've got regular What the Fork contributor, Jack Shields. Jack, how are you doing? Are you all right? I'm good, mate. Yeah, we've solved one or two technical issues and I've managed to get us on, but now I'm good looking forward to it. Don't, don't speak too soon, mate. Um, <laughs> second of all, technically his first one when he's on our side, not previewing uh, Gillingham, of course. It's it's Matt from Jills in the Blood. How's the South, sir? You all right? Very good. Cheers, mate. Yeah, very warm, which is quite nice. Finally, Summer's tried to make an appearance just in time for the Euros. So, yeah, but all good. Yeah, it's weird not wearing a Jill shirt tonight. So even though I've still got the same backdrop, but yeah, looking forward to talking all things England. Yeah, yeah, indeed. We're all on the same side on this point, which is great. We'll get straight to it, I think. Obviously, we're now under two weeks away at the time of speaking from Euro 2020. England have just confirmed the 26-man squad as we head into the tournament. Jack, I'll come to you first. Obviously, the squad's a little bit bigger than usual, with it being 26 rather than 23. But is that how you'd have liked the squad to look? Uh, yeah, I think we're a little bit heavy in certain areas and a little bit short in other areas. I've, apparently, we've named four right-backs, which seems a little bit too much. I know it's a strong area for us, but I'm not sure how we're going to work all those into the squad. But yeah, a little bit short in midfield. But in terms of the actual people that we've named, I can't think of anyone I'm looking at thinking, yeah, I'm wounded, he's missed out. So I think, you know, yeah, I think I'm all right with that. I think that they picked themselves a lot of the time. I mean, there was one or two fitness issues with Grealish, you know, and one or two others. But other than that, yeah, I think it's pretty pretty what I would have done. You know what I mean? It's, it's fairly, fairly where I would have gone with it. Quite funny when you said it looked a little bit heavy in some areas. I thought you meant Harry Maguire's head. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and of course, I'll, I'll fire exactly the same question towards you, Matt. Obviously, the squad's 26-man squad looks fine in general, but obviously everyone's got their own opinions. What's your thoughts on the squad? Is it as you would expect? Are you happy with the choices he's, he's picked? Yeah, generally happy. I mean, like you said, we all like to play manager, don't we? I think I had... I've written the squad down here and I've got four in red that I didn't have. So I was four different. But the, the right back thing's a bit, I think it's being overcooked a little bit slightly because we can name three extra. So you, you, I suppose it's weird because we've only taken two left backs, but you'd imagine that Reese James and Carl Walker could fill in as a right-sided centre-half as well. And Reese James has done that really well recently. But weirdly, Reese James is one that I didn't have in, but that was prior to watching yeah. him in the Champions League final at the weekend. But he was absolutely superb and probably cemented his place in certainly the squad and maybe the 11. Um, there was, you know, Dean Henderson, Jordan Pickford picked themselves. It was a toss-up, wasn't it? I think it was a flip of a coin between Johnson or Ramsdale. I'd have gone with Ramsdale, but I've got no issue with Johnson. Chances are he's not going to play. 
So that makes no real odds to me. Um, Jude Bellingham, I'd have probably left at home. I know he's very good. I'm probably going to get shot down for this, but he's very inexperienced. He's, he's probably the closest to the Theo Walcott 2006, Fengor and Eriksson for me, but Southgate might surprise us. Probably wouldn't have taken Saka myself either. My four different ones were Ramsdale, James Ward-Prowse. I thought that to be in there as a centre midfielder, having played every minute of every Premier League game. I'd have taken a chance on Lingard as well. thought he's been phenomenal form since he's gone to West Ham and he was very good at the last World Cup. And I'd have tried to find room for Patrick Bamford as well because I think we've only got two number nines. I know we've got people like Rashford and Sterling that can play there, but I'd have liked to have seen one more out-and-out number nine. But... I'm not going to sit here and slag off Gareth Southgate. I've seen plenty of people calling for his head. We haven't even kicked a ball yet. It's ridiculous. We got to the semi-finals of the World Cup not four years ago, three years ago. So he, he knows what he's doing. He's certainly more qualified than any of us three talking about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, like like you say, it's maybe it's because, uh, you know, I've looked at other squads and stuff like that. We've, we've Although we haven't won much for a while, we've got kind of an abundance of riches and it's kind of like we've got that many good players you wish you could maybe shoehorn in a few more. In essence, I think the 26 out of going are all more than qualified. And it's, I agree with you on Bellingham and I'll get shot down for that as well. I don't think I would have probably taken him. However, you know, we have and I'm not disappointed with it. I think we've just got that much of an abundance of riches. But but Jack, I'll, I'll come back to you because obviously you mentioned about the, the four right-back situation and I hear what Matt's saying and, and agree with it. The fact that some of them can fit into the, the right centre-back in the way that Kyle Walker did in the World Cup, essentially. Um, and then on top of that as well, you've got ones that, I mean, Trippier could probably go on the left if, if really needs be. So they are versatile and they've talked about Alexander-Arnold being in the midfield. But earlier today, um, Southgate said he doesn't know where it came from. Uh, there was a big debate on Trent Alexander-Arnold to the point where even I commented on it and said I would be okay with him being left at home if it was him or the other three based on this season's form. Um, I'm happy he's part of it, of course, no problems with it at all. But my point was, essentially, if he was left at home, I could understand why and I wouldn't have too many issues with it. But he has been included after originally seemingly being out with the squad. So, Jack, what, what are your thoughts on Trent Alexander-Arnold being included alongside the other four right-backs? You've sort of touched on it a little bit, but do you think... Um, you know, if you were having to choose only three, as originally it seemed, would he have been the one that missed out or would you have took somebody else out? Um, I think Alexander-Arnold, he offers you excellent delivery in the box, the amount of crosses he puts in and seem to be on the money from a, a wide full-back position. Um, personally, I'm, I, I know Trippier's done well with Atletico Madrid and he scored the free kick in the semi-final and, and things like that, but I'd have maybe just maybe given I would have maybe given Alexander Arnold the nudge ahead of him, and if I had to drop one of the four, I think Trippier would have been the one I would have missed. Like I'm not, it's not because he's not playing in England because we've all seen Trippier when he was at Tottenham and um, and at Burnley. I think he was at wasn't he before yeah. then? He's he's a very good solid fullback. Um, but I just think uh, I I think Alexander Arnold offers you a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? I think I think particularly like you mentioned, he's delivery into the box, and I think he's even chipped in with a couple of the running and. Uh, I think a lot of the time when players are in form and the the they leave them they leave they make it hard for the manager to leave them out. Do you know what I mean? I think Alexander Arnold was one of those. Some of his performances for Liverpool in the running really, you know, cemented his his place. And I think if I had to pick one to drop out, it maybe would have been Trippier of the four. But like you say, that I think nowadays you're looking at. I've probably touched on it myself with numbers, and I'm looking at it. There's only five actual midfielders, but we're, we're quite versatile, aren't we? Do you know what I mean? You can have full backs as wing-backs and maybe moving at the midfield and you can have strikers that are 
class of strikers, but are more like attacking wide midfielders. Do you know what I mean? So I think the style that we're playing at the minute under Southgate and a lot of the players that operate in more fluid systems, it's not a rigid 4-4-2. You're having players operate in different roles. So I think we're, I think, you know, like you say, looking at the squad, there's no one really screams out as, you know, we're lacking in any area. And I'm, I'm confident going into it, I really am. Yeah, I think um, I agree with you. I think we are quite fluid in, in that sense. And I think it's really interesting that he's mentioned about Alexander Arnold going into midfield because... I've never seen him there. I know he's apparently played there when he was younger and, and things like that. Um, and you certainly can't doubt his range of passing. And I think if we're talking sheer unadulterated talent, I slightly prefer James, if I'm honest, which is maybe a controversial comment. Um, I'm sure Liverpool fans will absolutely slow on me for that. But I think in terms of talent, take form out of it completely and, and how all four players have done this. This season, Alexander Arnold's one of the most talented players in the entire squad, let alone in that particular position. So there's an argument to say that although it's four right backs, his range of passing it, he could probably fit into midfield if need be, couldn't he? Since we've only took five. Yeah. I would agree. Um, I mean, I'm not saying should play him as a right wing, but you know what I mean? He, he's he's delivery into the box and he, he's got the energy to get up and down and um, yeah, I mean, he, like you say, that, that's the beauty of having players that are more adaptable. You know, we've got players that are you know trained and, and developed in two or three different positions. So you're looking at it, and all of the four right backs could, you know, not just playing right back could play in other roles within within the eleven. So with the fluidity fluidity of the system, easy for me to say. Uh, I think we've we've pretty much got all all bases covered. Yeah, it seems so. And, and Matt, I'll kind of throw the same question to you. I know obviously it's a bit of a, a moot point considering all four of them are going, but earlier in the day, for some reason, it seemed that Trent Alexander-Arnold wasn't going and there was a big discussion, like I said, with Jack commented on and a few people commented on about who they would take. Um, say you were in that position and, and you were only going to be taking three, would Alexander-Arnold have been the one that would have missed out or would you have potentially taken somebody else out? No, I'd have probably left Reese James out. I've had to stick to my gun. Like I said, I picked my squad last week and Reese James was the one that was missing out. But by the smallest of margins, he's been very good this season. But like Jack's touched on, there's, there's plenty of options in there within them four players. You'd say probably Trippier is the most orthodox right-back. Walker can tuck in and play as a, a right-sided centre-back. Reese James can do that. Trent's probably the most forward-thinking. So you'd imagine if Southgate looks at going with a back three, he's the one that probably plays as your right wing-back, even though he's probably you know, the least solid defensively, dare I say. And again, I'm probably risking getting absolutely battered by some Liverpool fans. Um, but you, you think the others have probably had better seasons defensively. But I had this chat with someone on Twitter last week and they were telling me you can't take Trent, Alex, Trent Alexander-Arnold. And, it's you know, you've got to be informed when you're going into a tournament because it's all quick games coming, you know, every few days. And I said, well, look at his stats over the last 10 games. They won eight. I think they get five clean sheets. And I think he scored one and, and contributed four assists. So he's in form in the last 10 games of the season, there's oh, no one in better form in terms of goal output and keeping clean sheets. That's everything that you want going into a tournament. The right back that's going to, if we get, you know, to the semi-finals, we're playing half a dozen games. So that's a couple of assists and a couple of clean sheets if you're looking at a similar ratio. So I can understand why Southgate's taken all four. I probably don't think he would have done if he could have only picked 23. Um, but no, I'd have probably said just because of the slight lack of experience, it would have been James that would have still missed out for me if he was only allowed to, to take three of the four. 
I agree with what you say about his form because I think I, I actually, nine times out of ten what happens with me, I'll say something on Twitter and the opposite will happen. So I mentioned about Alexander Arnold not having the best of form about ten games ago and lo and behold he goes in a, a great run of form towards the end of the season, gets helps get Liverpool back into the Champions League places when it looked like they really weren't going to be in them. Um, I agree with you 100% on that when he's talking about taking players on form. Actually, all four of them are, are banging form, aren't they really? Yeah, they are. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. If you look at Trippier, I think it was 14 clean sheets, 16 clean sheets in less than 30 league games for, for Atletico Madrid. And no disrespect to everyone on Twitter, like I've already laughed and said, we, we love playing manager and, and we all like to chat about it and it's great fun. Um, but Gareth Southgate's watched uh, Kieran Trippier, I'd imagine, a lot more than we have. And Diego Simeone is one of the best defensive coaches in world football and they've just gone and won the Liga. So um, if it's good enough for Diego Simeone, then it's, it's good enough for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be with you on that. I don't think I could put it any, any better, really. Um, I suppose we're talking about the squad an awful lot. Um, before we move on to sort of some other players that have maybe missed out and, and other players that maybe you would have included, um, when it comes to the actual game itself, like you say, we can play that three at the back, and I, I think we will. And I think you'll actually go with either Reese James or we'll go with um, Kyle Walker as that right-sided centre-back. But, you know, we do like to play manager. That's kind of what makes these shows work, thankfully. Um, I'll come to you first, Matt. Who would you, who do you actually go for? Who would you put on that right hand side? Even if it meant putting one of the the other right backs as the right sided centre off, where would you go for the first uh, first game against Croatia? I was looking at this because Croatia, no disrespect to the Czech Republic or Scotland, probably is the hardest game in the group. And if That's we can it. get out of that with if we can get out of that with a draw, it sets us up nicely for the rest of the group stage. So I'd be I, I don't know what makes us more solid defensively because. If you play James or Walker, then you're playing a person who's slightly out of position, so to speak, unless he goes with Connor Cody. But I wouldn't pick Connor Cody to start. But then you can see why he's in, because Maguire might not be fit. So mm-hmm. I pick two teams, If and I think I've got 10 of the players are the same. So if we went 3-4-3, three, three, I'd be inclined to pick Reese James, based purely what I saw on that Champions League final. Um Last weekend, he was absolutely spot on against Raheem Sterling. And again, people talk about Raheem Sterling being out of form, but the guy still contributed double figures in goals and assists this season in a poor season. That's good enough to be a very good season for a lot of squads going to this tournament. So if we went back three, I'd go Pickford, James, Stones, Maguire. I'd go Trippier and Chilwell as the wing-backs. I'd play Jordan Henderson, fitness permitting, and Declan Rice. I might get accused of being slightly defensive. And then I'd play Phil Foden and Raheem Sterling off of Harry Kane. If you went with a back four, I'd take Reese James out. So it'd be Trippier, Joe, uh, Trippier Stones, Maguire and Chilwell. And I'd bring Mason Mount into play in the 10. Yeah, I think Mason Mount is probably one of those players that, in a way, for me, he's got to be in the side. Just yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? And when you start trying to pick a side, you suddenly realise how many options we've got. And that's the that's the good thing about it. And people are moaning that this player's not in. But let's concentrate on the people that are in the squad. And there's so many options, it's unreal. We've yeah, got a better squad than we had at the World Cup and we got to the semi-finals. More experienced one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, much more. Jack, obviously I want to throw the, a similar question to you. When we're talking about picking the side, obviously, yeah, we all we all do it. We've all started going, right, OK, 11, 10, 11 days till the, the, the Euro starts. I put here, here, and here. Um, where, where would you go? Where would your starting eleven be from the squad that he's picked off the top of your head at the moment? I agree. I think I think Croatia are going to have most of well, not most of the ball, but certainly going to have more possession than Czech Republic and Scotland are against us. They're going to be the only one of the three that I think will have a go at us. 
So it might be seen as a little bit negative from the England fans coming into the first game with a slightly more conservative team. I certainly wouldn't play too many attacking players in the first match, so I'd probably go Pickford in goal, and then I'd probably go maybe Kyle Walker at right back. Again, it depends which formation you're going in. I think, will he, will he go with the kind of a more holding 4-3-3 with Henderson at the like playing as like a defensive midfielder. Do you know what I mean? And kind of protecting the back four, probably Walker right back, then Stones, Maguire, and probably Chilwell left back, maybe Henderson holding, and then two centre midfielders a little bit further forward. So maybe uh, or a Rice holding and, and Henderson a bit further forward with Mount. And then your front three of um Foden. Maybe Dia Stark Grealish if he's fit, and then Kane. I don't know. Maybe would that would that be something along those lines? I think Grealish is a talented player, but whether he's not, I'm not probably not 100 fit at the moment. So, you know, it depends on fitness as well. Because I, I would start Henderson ten times out of ten, but you're looking at it thinking, is he going to pull up after 60 minutes? And you're going to have to, you know, sub him, and that might make him worse for the tournament. So, I think I'm not 100 certain on the 11, but I would certainly play a little bit more. Neg- not negatively, a little bit more defensively against Croatia. Make sure that you know you, you don't leave yourself too open. A draw wouldn't be too bad, and then I'd be very confident going into Scotland and Czech Republic that we can unleash a bit more of an attacking lineup and and really go out and create chances. And I think if we get out many creative players on the pitch against Czech Republic and Scotland, and we get them playing well and and you know passing it and speed and intensity in our play, I think Scotland and Czech Republic, I think we'll have too much for them. I really do. Should, I mean, if we've got any hope of winning it, we should do, really. Uh, I agree with Croatia. We need to be a little bit more conservative, but maybe dictate the game as best we can. But you mentioned Henderson there. There's obviously a question mark on his fitness. And I feel like, and we'll come on to this later, there's another player whose fitness has been discussed far more. Um, we're probably really biased because we watched him grow up and obviously we're very proud of him. But how important is it that Jordan Henderson's at a good level of fitness, Jack, to feature in this tournament? prominently, not just sporadically? Vitally important. I think you, you saw Jordan Henderson, not so much the season that's just gone, but the year before and the, the previous year. I mean, Liverpool won the Champions League 2019. He was probably the, the key player in there, in the midfield. And then Liverpool won the league. I mean, not just won the league, coast of the league last year, close to 100 points. And I think you, you, he's often unnoticed in the Liverpool team because you think Liverpool and you think of Salah, Mane, Firmino going forward, you know what I mean? But I think sometimes you need a player like a Jordan Henderson that's not quite as, you know, um, how should I put it, flash. You know, he does the dirty work, he covers the ground. And I think that's, you're looking at the balance. I think you can talk about an England team that's talented, but I think it's a boring way to look at it, but you need a balanced team to go far in a tournament. It's no good having a really attacking lineup if you, you, you're weak and open at the back and you're conceding chances through the middle. And I think, John Henderson being fit and firing will be that protective holding player that can, you know, control the game for us. And he can really get the ball moving so the quicker players can do the, the you know, the quicker, more talented players can do the um, the dirty, they do the, the, the more attractive work while he does the dirty work. I think it's a comparison made to Man United, going back to Man United, you know, you often had like Scholes and Giggs and more talented players like that, David Beckham, but Roy Keane was arguably the most important player in the team. And I think, you could argue that Henderson could be that for England. Do you know what I mean? Really, the the, the leader um, in the middle of the park um, and the one that makes them tick through the middle and, and, and pro- provides a bit of a shield for the, the more attacking players to go forward and create. Um, 
So I'm hoping he's fit. I don't know how good his fitness would be. Um, I hope he's fit enough for Croatia because I think if we do need him, unfortunately, Croatia games where we're going to need them most, they're going to have probably more of the ball than Scotland and Czech Republic and we really need someone to keep it steady in the middle. I think a big thing as well, and I'll, I'll come to you with this, Matt, with, with Henderson. Um, obviously, like I say, me and Jack probably as great as a player he is, do have a slight biasness towards him because of obvious reasons. But I think we talk about like what he does and he does a dirty work and he covers a lot of ground. He gives a lot of energy. He's got a lot of legs. He's got a lot of leadership. Um, he's also vastly experienced now in international tournaments, something that as much as I rate Declan Rice, he's not. Um, I think it's his first big tournament where he, I don't think he's even been part of the squad, truth be told. And that's, that's no detriment to him. He's a young boy, but... Henderson's now 31-32. He's been part of a side that's lost in the semi-final of a major tournament. He's been in a side that's knocked out in the the group stages, I think, back to the when we drew against Costa Rica and lost against Uruguay and things like that. How important will the likes of Jordan Henderson and players of his ilk, his mentality, not just his talent, be to any success that we have in the tournament, Matt? Hugely, hugely. And he's, he's one of the first names on that team sheet, if he's fit, regardless of whether we play, you know, too old in midfielders or we just play him on his own. He, he, he's got to be 90% fit, I think, to play because, like Jack said, we don't want him going out there only being sort of half-cooked and then he ends up pulling up again and then we lose him for the rest of the tournament. So, you know, it might be a case of we get him through the Croatia game and then we rest him maybe for one of the other group games just to make sure that he's wrapped in cotton wool. But going back to the last World Cup and, and then it was before he had them two unbelievable seasons, like Jack's mentioned, where they won the Champions League, Liverpool, and then they won the Premier League. And I was, I didn't think he should be starting at the last World Cup. I said Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer was, you know, one of the better centre midfielders in the Premier League at the time in a very good Tottenham side under Pochettino. But he's, you know, he's regressed unbelievably like Tottenham have. Um, Jordan Henderson's comfortably the best holding midfielder that's available to England and to Gareth Southgate. And if he's 90% fit upwards, then, then he starts every game. But we have to be careful because... We don't want to overdo it in a game that's we don't need to play. I mean, we could get away with no disrespect, probably playing Phillips and or Rice in a game against Scotland and or Czech Republic. So I think it's a case of potentially getting him through the Croatia game, getting a positive result and then wrapping him in cotton wool for the next 180 minutes and then unleash him on the knockout stages. Yeah, I think if you get 60, 70 minutes out of him or any of the injured players who are obviously rightly important um, in the Croatia game and get enough to even get a win, you could potentially look at playing the likes of, like you say, Phillips and, and Rice in a two, or maybe even just Rice and, and go more attacking in, in those games, which totally helps. Um, I'm I'm very loath, even because we've discussed it already, but to discuss players that haven't been part of the squad. Um, but And obviously this may change with injuries and so on and so forth. But... We haven't got that many midfielders that can play centrally in midfield. Um, Henderson's obviously got the knock. Declan Rice, you've got Calvin Phillips is there as well. For me, the only real disappointment for me, and I'm a big fan of him, um, was was Jesse Lingard. Uh, you've touched on him before. Ollie Watkins, obviously, maybe a bit unlucky as well. But but Matt, do you think Lingard, would you have liked to see Lingard as part of it? Like I say, I'm loath to, to discuss players who are not there, but I, I feel like it must be touched on with Lingard because he's had a great six months. Yeah, totally agree. And if if you're looking at players that you could come in for, it's probably Saka for me. Saka's yeah. predominantly played as a wing back for Arsenal, from from the right or the left. You know, there's been the odd game where he's played as a three, in you know, wide from one side behind a central striker with a ten next to him. But 
he, he looks some way down the pecking order in that England squad, unfortunately. And that's no disrespect to, to what he's done at Arsenal and to, and to the kid himself. He's, he's got all the talent in the world and I'm sure he'll become an England regular. But Jesse Lingard's been there and done it. And we've just spoken about people that have been there that have played in semi-finals, played in World Cups, played in European Championships. And, and, and Jesse Lingard was a big part of that. And people can sit here and talk about who we beat and who we didn't beat at the last World Cup. But you can only beat who's put in front of you. And England done it very well, right up to the to the semi-final, sorry. Um so for me, yeah, out of the ones that I had in that are not going, I'd probably say he's the most disappointing. James Ward-Prowse, I think, has to be unlucky based on the amount of football he's played and mm-hmm. dead ball specialist. But again, if you look at James Ward-Prowse, he's probably behind Henderson, Rice and Mount in that central midfield. I think going back to, to what Jack said, potentially if we get through the first game with a positive result and then unleash a bit more of an attacking lineup, so you might only play one sitter, I think then there's a case for maybe even Foden or Grealish to tuck in and play. You could even play Henderson, Mount, and then Foden or Grealish as a, an attacking centre midfielder and then play two wingers and Harry Kane as well. So you could go to town on Scotland and or the Czech Republic as long as the Croatia result is taken care of. So, I don't think we're undercooked in the middle of the park. I think there's a few that have been put in that attacking list that are probably should have gone into the midfielders list, Foden and Grealish. But it's great, again, because they can play from either side. They could play in the 10. So there's there's plenty of versatility with all of them. But Bellingham, again, is the strange one, isn't it? I think he's, he's what, 17? and Yeah. He's probably only played, what, 50, 60 professional games, first team level. I know he's gone to Dortmund and he's done pretty well out there, but it's... Um, you need experience and know-how in tournament football in these things. So, yeah, for me, I'd have probably found a way to get Lingard in for either him or Saka. That, that was the big thing for me. Not just his good six months, probably his, um, probably his experience and the fact that he was part of the starting eleven and a vital part of it, a, a successful World Cup campaign. Um, but we're talking about all these players that we've got and who we would take out. And we're talking about players like... Saka potentially not getting in and, and who you would have changed. And, and when you really think about it, like like we've said at the start, what, what an abundance of riches we have. And, and, and Jack, I just want to, um, I want to ask you, because for the first time in a long time, because even before the last tournament, all we did well, it felt like oh, if we can just get the quarters and get back to where we used to be at and then build from there and we end up doing better than we did. Um, for the first time in a while, Jack, and obviously there might be egg in our faces here if we, we duff it up, but like where we currently sit and where we currently stand, um, it feels like an exciting team and, and there's players that you can be excited about and you're going, oh, Grealish is at Foden and, and you know, Italian 90 born Gaza and a, a superstar that to this day, as sad as his demise has probably been, um, was an absolute superstar and it made him that, that World Cup did. Is there any England players in specific, um, maybe some of the more attacking players that you think this tournament can can sort of put them on the the global stage that they've got the kind of talent to show the world, like, hang on, we've got we've got this player that's going to take the world, and if everything goes in the, the right trajectory in the right the right way. Um, I think just oh, I was touching on it earlier, slightly going off topic of what you said, but I think we're all we're all getting really confident and excited, aren't we? Do you know what I mean? Talking about uh, how in Scotland and uh, I think one or two on our, our, our normal our normal podcast that we're on we have a couple of uh, couple of the Tartan Army that might be listening thinking oh those cocky English getting getting ahead of themselves again but <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, in terms of the squad I, I, I would say the one player that really really excites us more than any England player that's come out the last 10 years and he's already a star 
because you're playing week in, for week in, week out for Man City in Champions League finals. But Phil Foden, I think, is just he has absolutely every attribute. Now, I'm not knocking any of the other England players because there's huge potential in that squad. Do you know what I mean? You're talking about the likes, you know, someone like a Jack Grealish is phenomenally talented as well. Um, and we have, you know, even strikers that might not necessarily get a game, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I think, could go on and have a fantastic career at the top level and things like that. But um, Phil Foden, for me, he's he's already a star in England, but I don't know how big he is across Europe and across the world. But I really think, in terms of a young player that would take a tournament by storm, pretty much not all of the games are going to be on home soil, but a lot of it's on our own conditions, with familiar grounds and set up to Phil Foden. And he looks like nothing phases him. He looks like, to me, you could put him on any stage and he just, he'd pick the ball up and he'd just run. He'd just take players on. He, he can use his right foot. He can use his left foot. He can dribble the ball. His passing's superb. His energy's fantastic. He sets up goals. He scores goals. Every attribute that you want from a predominantly attacking-based midfielder, he's got a tick in his box and he's, what, 20, 21, is he, at the moment? Is that? Is that? Um, so he's got every... He's got every in his locker for him now to go on and, and do well and I really think you know in terms of England as a whole I said it at the last World Cup Graham and what was why I was so disappointed when we lost to Croatia and I did feel like we would never get another chance to well not another we would never get another chance but it was a great opportunity for us to get the World Cup final and possibly even win it against I thought a beatable French team on the day but I think this Euro tournament everyone's excited you're looking at it now we think the range of players that we've got and I do really think we've got a great chance but you know it's it's managing kind of excitement versus expectation as well, and we don't like to get too excited in, in England, do we? But yeah, I think I'm, I'm confident. I think we can go really deep into the tournament. I really do. Um, in the interest of balance, uh, I'll throw this one back at you, Jack, as well. In the interest of balance, is there any areas of the side that worry you that you think that oh, I wish that was a bit better? Because we feel like we've got an abundance of riches in places, but every club, every team's got a weak spot, haven't they? I think centre-half could be a slight issue with Harry Maguire. I rate Harry Maguire, but I don't know how fit he is. And John Stones, I like him a lot and he's a very good centre-half, but it's not the strongest when you think of, you know, England centre-half pairings down, you know, when we had Rio Ferdinand and John Terry at the tournament, you know what I mean? Safe as houses, them too. I don't think we're quite as safe as we could be uh, in that position. And also... You know, I, I like John Pickford. I, I know him personally, and I think he's a good goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's we've had we've had stronger, perhaps goalkeeping threes as a three. Do you know what I mean? Um, so we'll see. I think there are. It's not the perfect team. Don't get me wrong, but I think it, it's it's definitely getting. Then a lot of them are young. I think that could work against us in terms of experience. But a lot of youngsters at tournaments just the fearless. Do you know what I mean? You saw. Michael Owen at France 98 and Wayne Rooney at Euro 2004. Do you know what I mean? Youngsters at tournaments have got absolutely nothing to lose. And I think that kind of um, energy and excitement could work in our, in our favour, actually. The fact that we've got a, a lot of young lads at a home tournament and that can get momentum and just really go for it. Do you know what I mean? They're not hampered by what's gone on in previous tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that maybe would have helped us in the World Cup, potentially, because there's a lot of younger lads there as well. So as much as I like experience, like... The likes of Foden and Grealish really, really excite me, 100%. Um, we've touched on Maguire a little bit, Matt. Uh, Maguire was included, and, and Southgate said, I think, to quote him, he's got work to do to be fit for the first game, which to me is probably just setting expectations. I think he's quite a balanced manager. Um, someone asked a question if he would be... The, the 
the question he was answering was if he would be fit for the group game or if it would be later in the tournament. And he kind of seemed to say, well, the first game, probably not, maybe. But he might be fit for the second and third. Um, do you think it was the right call to take him if he's not 100% for the first game? And, and if he doesn't make that first game, um, second of all, who, who comes in for you? Who comes in at centre-half? There's... <laughs> I think historically, as England fans, we're used to having at least one or two, aren't we, going into every tournament that's <laughs> yeah. got fitness doubts. If we go back to uh, France, no, not France, 98, World Cup 2002, and it was David Beckham's metatarsal, wasn't it? And everybody suddenly had a metatarsal and never knew what it was before. You either broke your toe or you broke your foot before then. Um, so with that, then we had Rooney World Cup 2006 yep. with another metatarsal, didn't we? We lost Danny Murphy. We lost, I think, Stephen Gerrard. We lost Gary Neville. So it's it's not unfamiliar territory, is it? I'm trying to think in more recent years. I'm not sure there was one at the last World Cup, but it, it, it's going to happen, is it? He's going to take some that and take a chance. Um, we lost Rio in 2002 to give an exact example, actually. I think Trevor Sinclair ended up coming in from and, and playing the games as it was in the squad, but I'm sure it was Rio we lost in, I think it was Korea 2002. So we, we'd actually lost a, like a far better centre-half there, I think. I could be wrong. No, Rio played in Rio played in 2002. Rio, Rio scored in 2002. Rio, Rio missed Euro 2004, didn't he? Because he missed the drugs test. test. Yeah, yeah, that was it. He missed the one. drugs test. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, because he scored. I'm sure he scored against Denmark at the World Cup in 2002. He absolutely he did. did. He did that celebration, didn't he? Where that's it. Like, yeah, like 19-year-old in a dance club for the first that time. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we've gone off on tangent there. What was the question? <laughs> Harry Maguire, that was it. Yeah. Um, who would I play? Rio Ferdinand, probably. He was decent. Um, probably Tyrone Mings, purely on the fact that him and Cody are probably at the same level in terms of international experience. Um, but I think Mings has had a better season. I think Villa have had a better season than Wolves. And I think he'll add balance because he's left-footed as well. So I'd probably have to say... But then whether you play, it depends on whether he plays a, a back three or a, a back four, doesn't it? So it could be interesting again. But and, and that's again, that's no disrespect to Kobe. Kobe's done nothing wrong when he's played in a few games, but probably just edged towards Tyrone Mings at the moment. But we'll keep everything crossed and we'll probably have Yuri Geller put in pictures of Harry Maguire's ankle in the sun, won't he? And we'll have to all touch it and all that shite. But, Bending um, the spoons again. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely ridiculous. But no, if if if, if Maguire doesn't make the first game, I'd probably edge towards Tyrone Mings. He's apparently Yuri Geller are going off topic is apparently moved to Scotland now. So you might be rooting for them instead this this uh, this campaign. Also, he's making that. sure that he's making sure that he stays injured. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. I, I agree with what you said on, on Cordy. I think Tyrone Mings gets quite a few pelters. And I sort of understand it. I think Cordy is not as good as Tyrone Mings, but I think Tyrone Mings is more prone to a clanger, where Cody's not. But I think Tyrone Mings's clangers are very, very few and far between, like very. But they get magnified when he does it because probably because he's more highly rated and he's at a sorry Wolves fans a bigger club in Villa as well. I think that's probably fair to say. Going to get Ooh. tortured here, and they're off Wolves fans. <laughs> Going to get absolutely tortured. But but Villa have won the European Cup, so whatever, make of it what you will. I mean. <laughs> I'm a not fan. that they tell anyone, Graham. Not not that they tell everyone all the time that they won the European Cup rather than now. They don't, they don't like me. You can kind well, of West Ham won the World Cup, didn't they? They did. Six, <laughs> six, was it six, 66? That's right. Yeah, uh-huh. So it was 66. Yep. Yeah. I think. I think to be fair, like I'll, I'll allow them to rant on about winning the European Cup compared to Newcastle who rant on about finishing second in 1997, which actually wins you nothing. Yes. Um, Sky yes, Sports lad. making TV shows about it, but there you go. Preach it. Um, Preach it. <laughs> 
big one for, for me, Matt, that I want to come on to, because obviously we discussed a little bit off end, and obviously you've discussed it on Twitter as well. I don't really know why, um, and I'm sure people will give me their reasons, and feel free to, I love a bit of discussion, but um, talking to Southgate, there seems to be like a section of fans that just don't rate him and don't think he's the right man. I, I didn't, when he first got the job, I was like, whoa, no, nah, but I'm a big Sam fan. Um, but to be honest, he's, he's done nothing but impress me since he's been part of it, one or two games aside, which happens, because that's football, you're going to lose games of football. Um, but people seem to be going off it about his choice. I've seen someone today say, if he doesn't pick Trent Alexander-Arnold, he should be sacked on the spot which obviously is a mad opinion. Uh, well, not mad, it's, everyone's opinion is fair, but it, it's, to me, it's mad. In my opinion, it's mad. Um, but are, are you of the opinion right here and now, which might change after the, uh, the Euros, but that he's the right man for the job and he's the right man to lead the team forward for future years? 100%. 100%. Yeah, he's done nothing to, to make me think that we should even be contemplating sacking him at the moment. And you're right, we go back to what it was, end of 2016, wasn't it, when Sam Allardyce got caught out talking to a reporter or whatever it was. And, and I think he probably come in and, and I think was probably treated as some sort of caretaker manager. Um, yeah. But why, so we got to think then and ask ourselves, why did he get the job full time? Because he was obviously doing more right than he was doing wrong. Um, qualifying is what it is. We, we breeze through qualifying. We could probably breeze through qualifying if I was the manager. That's no disrespect to the likes of Andorra and San Marino. If, um, we have to play them all the time. But to be honest, I'd fancy lacing up and having a go against a couple of them, to be honest, and getting my first England goal. But um, David Nugent style, kicking it in on the way. <laughs> well, yeah, just robbing Jermaine Defoe, yeah, from all of about three centimetres, bless him. Um, but no, he's taken us to a World Cup semi-final, the first one in, in nearly 30 years. He, he got he got us believing there was that, there was a massive deal made, wasn't there, in the run-up to the tournament in the World Cup where he got the press involved and he got the press on side and, and in turn he got the supporters on side and it was almost like one big happy family I know that sounds a bit nauseating but you know what I mean you get the gist yeah, was that right. everyone was for once was pulling in the right direction there was no nonsense in the press before the tournament where they was trying to dig someone out we you get a little bit of it but it, it felt slightly different and I think that sort of filtered through into the tournament and I know the games in the Nation League six months ago whatever it was I think it was Iceland and one other where he played too old in midfielders and we didn't score a goal for a couple of games but like you said it happens and because it's I think it's because it's international football so you don't play so regularly I think when you win games and you win well it's everyone loves you because that sticks in the mind for six months because you don't have another game on a Tuesday or a Saturday like you do if you're a club manager so if the bad performances linger they linger for a bit longer the same way and that that's probably what happened but I think you need to give your head a wobble if you think Gareth Southgate is not the right man for the job at the moment. Don't get me wrong, if we go and lose to Croatia, draw with Czech Republic and lose to Scotland, then there's probably good reason to start saying he can, he's, he's, he's under threat. But he's had one tournament and he got us to a semi-final and he was probably one Harry Kane failed square pass from getting us to a World Cup final. Yeah, um, absolutely. So for me, he's, he's, he's 100% still the right man to be leading us. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think think for me, Southgate's really impressed me um, throughout. And I think I think it's probably been underestimated that a couple of the games that we played and didn't play that well in. I mean, this, it's always going to happen. Like, Especially in international football, you're going to have a game where you go, I'm not too sure on that. And I've seen, you're right in what you say, you got a lot of stick for the two defensive midfielders thing. But I think people need to remember what, we as individuals have been through through this COVID situation. Imagine trying to manage an international football team and get a cohesion together when 
to be honest, unless you're outside and training, you can't really do it. And how many of us have a good social life when we're at the gym? Not many. You know what I mean? You're knackered nine times out of ten if you're at the gym. You don't want to speak to anyone. And they're, they're professional footballers. It'll be hard to get a cohesion together um, from from a, a team. Sorry, is that is that a northern term? You said pub. You said pub wrong. Sorry. No. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> um, Jack, with the the team as well. Obviously, Southgate. I know. I don't know why, but it, it creates division a little bit. There is a segment of fans. You're entitled to be, but obviously me and Matt are, are pro Gareth Southgate, but are, are you with us on that? Are you going to make the hat record? or do you think he should be questioned for certain things previously? No, hat-trick, Graham, I don't really see for what Thank reason for you, you could really mount an argument against um, Gareth Southgate. I mean, he comes in as you say, five years ago, no one really batted an eyelid, but because we were so, uh, the, the the media particularly was so obsessed with what Sam Allardyce had done wrong. Um, and he was really, I hate to say it, but he did, he did really get the job because there wasn't any great outstanding candidate out there. And he had done well with uh, with the other, the other um, under 21s. So I think he managed them through a little bit of a, um, a, a difficult period and done well with them. So I think really, no one was really bothered. No, he, he got the job you know, without a huge deal of fanfare, unlike other England managers, you know, like Fabio Capello, Sven Goran Eriksson, for example, that you know was all over the, the press when they got there. And I think <laughs> Nancy, what he's done is exactly Ulrika Johnson and uh, yeah, you know all, yeah. all them, uh, that uh, that that dalliance he had, Sven. I, I miss and I miss Sven. Sven was always talking to Chelsea and Man City anyway, wasn't he? Trying to get out the FA contract, wasn't it? Every, every six months he was talking to Chelsea, and but I think. That's where Southgate goes, does it right where the others went wrong. I think that he hasn't really got a huge ego. And I do genuinely think he's he's a safe, dependable pair of hands. And I think you look at the players now, and I think I always think you can I mean, uh, Matt Spot and he, he goes into uh, he goes into a tournament and get no one's really expecting a lot and gets us to the semi-finals. But what I judge it on is I think how how happy and positive the England players look again. I don't know, you know, you might disagree, but I think when you're watching England now, particularly at the last World Cup. They were celebrating, they were happy, the fans, you know, and it wasn't like, you know, Wayne Rooney muttering to down the camera lens against the 0-0 draw against Algeria in South South Africa. Do you know oh, what God, I mean? It I looks, remember that. He's, he's, got, he's got the feel-good factor about England again and the players look like they want to play and there's an energy about them and there's a there's a desire. And I think it, it goes back to, you know, they've got talked about this golden generation and the, the pressure was heaped on them and the phrase got mentioned so much and it was spectacular how how under under how we underperformed you know time and time again at tournaments you know the build up is this is going to be the one it'll be a quarter final exit and last time it was just refreshing just to not go with any expectations let the lads play and enjoy it and see what happened and look you know we were a stone's throw away from from reaching a world cup final and i think you know the expectation has gone up a little bit this time don't get me wrong i think the the fact we're playing most of our games at wembley has um has you know lifted ambitions a little bit, but I think Southgate's just got the lads playing. He's put his arm around a couple of them and went, look, you know, you know me, you know what I expect of you. You know, it's 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 clear the way that I'm the style of play. I'm not doing anything revolutionary. It's a style of play that you're all used to with your clubs primarily, and just go out and play football. And it looks like he's really getting the lads behind him. That the 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 together and there's a, there's a, a willingness for them to prove themselves on an international stage. And I think any time. The country has had success over a lot of years. They've allowed a manager to build. I think Germany with uh, Joachim Lodge, you know what I mean? They allowed him 
a lot of years to build and develop. And, and I think that's what we're on the verge of doing with Southgate. So, yeah, crazy to think that, you know, the people talking about him losing his job. I just, just don't see any reason why he would. Yuck him low, otherwise known as Scratch and Sniff. <laughs> yeah. Um, suppose short answer I want for this one. Um, so, like, quick and snappy, I'll come to you first, Matt. Um, Croatia, Scotland and Czech Republic. Uh, how do you see them going? Win, lose or draw? Draw, win, win. I'm going to going to be slightly on that. Without trying to be, again, we're trying to reel ourselves in, aren't we? And, and not convince ourselves that we've won the tournament before it starts. So, yeah, it's, seven points for me would be absolutely fine. And then it'll probably come down to goal difference on who goes through. I think it's as, realistic. As, as group though, winners. It? It's realistic. I, I think, think so, yeah. Definitely, yeah. I think draw, win, win. Realistically, on paper, if you football is not played on paper, sadly, um, it would be win, 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 probably, because we're. we're I think we are a better side than, than all three on our day, but I think Croatia are a lot tougher than a lot of people are saying Croatia are not what they were. And I do I do agree with that for what it's worth, but they're, they're certainly not a spent force far from it. So I think if we got a draw and then went on and, and won the next two, which we should, um, I think Scotland could be a tough game. I'm pleased it's at Wembley and not at Hamden. Mainly for my own sanity, considering I live next door to Hamden. Um, but also, you know, we remember the 2-2 draw Let's be honest, we were the better side that day, but once they got that one goal back and the roar that they created and everything that came with it, Scotland is playing... I've been in a Scotland-England crowd in the Scotland end, and it's partisan. Um, it's not a nice end to be in, and it is intimidating, and it'll be like a 12th man. So the fact that it's at Wembley, probably without that many away fans, uh, will will help. If any, actually, we don't really know, currently speaking. But, but Jack, same question to you. Uh, Croatia, Scotland, Czech Republic, win, lose, or draw? Um, I initially, I thought seven out of nine is the same, same as before, you know, the draw, win, win. But I just think, you know, it, we might get a little bit of a shock somewhere. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm trying to be confident and positive, but, you know, one of those things whereby some might, one might lose one of the three. But I think we'll definitely, I think we're, we're definitely getting a minimum of six points. You know what I mean? So even if worse comes to the worst and we did lose the first game against Croatia, which I think it might be a possibility, uh, I do think we're, we're definitely... We're definitely, we're definitely beating Czech Republic. And I think even though Scotland will no doubt raise the game because it's England in a major tournament, anyone thinking we're going to steamroll a Scotland, I don't think we will. But I do think we'll win it. So if worst comes to the worst, and we did lose the first game, which I think there might be a possibility we might, I think we're comfortably going through with six points. But I think six or seven points out of nine, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, you touch on Scotland there. I've probably looked at Scotland as the second the second game being a one that we should, and we should, but I mean, obviously someone who lives in Scotland has seen the squad and watches most of their games. They were a lot stronger. And like I say, I will reiterate, I'm really pleased that game's at Wembley because it makes me feel a lot more confident. But if we do get through, we all do that thing. We're all at that point now where we go, right, what's the route to the final? This is where I get a little bit concerned is the round of 16 is actually quite tricky because basically the way that it goes, the teams that we could face are not, typical round of 16 teams you normally get like a I don't know a Ukraine or a Turkey or someone that on paper again you feel pretty confident against Colombia it was last time although we had to took us to penalties you still fancied us this is a bit different we might necessarily not come up against a team that we're 100% favourites for across the board um, and I think when you look at the way that it, it works out as well 
in some ways, finishing second might actually be more beneficial, kind of like it was last time because of the way that it works. Because it can, but it can be quite tough either way. I think you've got the likes of Spain, France, Portugal, Germany that I think we could come up against in the last sixteen. Um, Matt, how if we do get through round of sixteen? Would you prefer an easier route to the final or would you rather go and beat the better teams and, and just get there and prove ourselves from the off? No, I'd like an easy route to the final. I don't give a <laughs> shit who we beat. If we beat all of them and win it, and I don't care who they are, whether we, we could beat Poland, Sweden, Slovakia, I do not care. If we're lifting that trophy, the end, no one's going to worry about that in a few years. I hadn't sure. actually had a look, to be honest. I've just had a look and that Group F's terrifying, isn't it? I'm not going to be a lie. So if we win the group, we could end up with Portugal, France or Germany. Yeah. If we come second, we play the winners of the Spain, Sweden, Poland and Slovakia group. So we play Spain, basically, in most senses. Mm, yeah, probably. You'd say, yeah, you probably have to say that, I think, now, because I know Zlatan was meant to be back for Sweden and that might have given them a boost, but he's injured. Poland rely too much on Lewandowski. Slovakia are probably the whipping boys in that group. But, Christ, I didn't realise it was that hard straight away. Um, yeah, yep. I'd probably take Spain, to be fair. I'd rather take Spain than risk because Ronaldo is going to turn up. He does it every tournament. Germany at Germany. I don't want to be playing them straight away. France squad looks absolutely terrifying on paper. So, yeah, it might be best to finish second. So, maybe we'll go with Jack. We'll lose the first game, get six points, and then beat Spain in the last 16. Told you, man. Told you that's the way to go. Lose the first one, win the next two, second and the group. <laughs> no, um... we won it. We've won it already. <laughs> and it's as simple as that. Thanks for listening, guys. Subscribe. Uh, no. Um... <laughs> Jack, would you, would you just, prefer an easier route, or do you do you want the Germans like round sixteen? Part of me is like, yeah, let's let's get the Germans out of the way because it's going to go either way. If like, I mean, I love Germany as a country. What a fantastic place and fantastic people. But when it comes to a tournament, England Germany is just so massive. Like it's it's yeah. kind of it would be exciting to get Germany. And there's part of me that's like, come on, let's just. I, I wouldn't want France. I wouldn't want. But France. didn't we get excited about getting Germany in the last sixteen in the two thousand and ten World Cup? And they absolutely battered us. Was that when they had Thomas Muller against Matthew Upson? <laughs> yeah, Upson scored and Lampard's one that basically the ref changed rules and it had to touch the back of the net to be allowed, wasn't it? So, yeah, that Payback wasn't a good Payback for 1966, that's what the Germans said, wasn't it, with Jeff Hurst? Probably, yeah, I'm not surprised <laughs> to be fair, but Christ, at least the Jeff Hurst one was close. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think I agree. I, I, I think you want, you want as comfortable a route as, as possible and... Um, there's always one group in the Euros that you always say the group of death, isn't there? There's that expression in the tournament and Euros and World Cup, it's a group of death. And I'm looking at Group F and Portugal, France, Germany, and you look at Hungary and you think, well, Hungary, but Hungary are actually one of the hosts. So you've got Hungary playing in their own ground that are going to be tough. And then Portugal, France and Germany is the group that we could potentially be getting. So I don't know, could we... Uh, could we still finish third and get out of our group? Is that a possibility? Four best, points. Best place third. Yeah, if we finish like four or five points, it could be oh, best well, place third. I, 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 let's I, not risk that. Let's not risk that. Let's I'm not, not risk I'm that. Not, I'm not advocating like throwing the last result. You know what I mean? Like playing out a ball, nil nil draws, Czech Republic <laughs> to get an easier draw in them. But all right, Jimmy no, Hill, think... calm down. <laughs> <laughs> but are you saying we should play Sam Johnson up front in the last game in the group? Yeah, exactly. Just go for it. No, um, <laughs> I, it's a difficult one because in the same way that you're looking at it wanting the easiest draw, I completely agree. I'm also a big fan of just winning games and getting momentum. Do you know what I mean? I think the momentum and the confidence that you get, if we don't expect us to, but if England were to turn up and win all three games, 
you'd be looking at it thinking, yeah, there's not many countries would fancy playing England, you know, and, and, and the confidence that we've got from winning those three games. So I'm in the same way that I want to manoeuvre the best route around the tournament as we can, I also think that when just go into games and keep winning them and, and keep winning and getting that mentality and that confidence up as well. So uh, I would rather have an easier route, but I think you, you, when it comes to later in the tournament, you're going to have to be you're going to have to beat one of the big boys, at least one of the big boys. And I think to win, if we want to win the Euros, we're probably going to have to win a penalty shootout somewhere along the line. I think probably one of the four knockout matches we're going to have to win on penalties. So, you know, you, you need a little bit of luck along the way as well. Yeah. So, final question. I'll, I'll come to you first, Jack, then we'll go to Matt. I've managed to get the whole way through the podcast without actually mentioning it. Um, we're actually joint favourites to win it, despite actually never winning this tournament before. Now, at risk of sounding a bit cheesy, but I've got to say it, how confident are you that football's going to come home? Uh, <laughs> would it spoil the podcast if I say no? I'm, I'm not I'm not hugely confident we're going to win the tournament. No, it, it, would, mean, be, it would be on brand for the two Sunderland fans on the podcast, mate. <laughs> I think it's just, as, as Englishmen going into tournaments, we're kind of, the, the concept of disappointment is just something that's always apparent, isn't it? And, do you know what I mean? We're always let down with, you know, Pints and sucking in our pints following a defeat. I do think we'll we'll definitely get to the semi-finals. I'm very confident that we'll do that. But I just think that maybe the the big tournament experience of you know France or Germany or Spain, someone that's countries that have previously won it, they might just carry them over the line a little bit, and they might be just preparing for the semi-final loss. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we get the final and win it. But I think we might get close, but no cigar. I think we'll just maybe just come up short. And exactly the same question to you, Matt. I'll give you the final word, mate. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? And it's, it's because of that that round of 16, I think, makes it really hard. And then you've got this, because it's expanded tournament now, you've got all these third place guys. So it's almost impossible to work out who you could be playing. So I think if we got to a semi-final again, I think Gareth Southgate would have done a brilliant job. Um, you think we haven't got to a World Cup semi-final since 1990. I don't think we've got to a European semi since 96, have we, the last time it was on home turf. So I think if we match that again, I think Gareth they can say that's a job well done. But of course we want to win it. And But there's there's some very good sides in there that are going to be thinking exactly the same. And it's, it's all new to everyone, isn't it? Because it's, it's being moved around. It's not all in one country. There's more teams. So I think from that side of things, it, it makes it a little bit unknown and a little bit alien to everybody. So I think everyone goes in with excitement and trepidation but I'm probably similar to Jacob it's typical England to come up just short isn't it we'll, we'll get ourselves up we'll do well in the group and we'll probably get through the last 16 against whoever it is and then win a shootout and then mess it up in the semi-final and I always art back to Euro 96 and 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 it in the post and, and Gaza being the length of a stud away from scoring a golden goal against the old enemy and uh, just thinking We'd have we'd have beat Czech Republic in the final. We'd have probably beaten them more comfortable than Germany ended up doing. But it's, let it go, man. Let it go. To torture yourself. I can't, you just I can't, I can't. It's only been two days since I have to keep watching highlights of Man City scoring twice in injury time against the Jules as well. So now I'm doing this to myself. Um, semi-finals. I think semi-finals will represent a really good tournament again. But of course, we all hope that we can go all the way. I agree with both in the sense that I think the semi-finals would be good. A good tournament. We However, can. oh, Sorry, of course, Graham, can. I think I think we definitely can. I mean, 
you look one at the previous, you know, twenty twelve, maybe twenty fourteen, or maybe year of twenty sixteen. You're looking at thinking there's no chance England don't even have a chance. I think there's a definite possibility in the right circumstances, form, confidence. As I say, a little bit of luck. There's a definite chance England probably more than any other tournament. But I think as England fans, we just we're so at home with the concept of disappointment. I just think we might just come up short again. You know. I'm going to say this, and I'll give you the reason why I've said it beforehand. And it's not the reason you might be thinking it's got no rhyme or logic behind it. Um, I'm going to say we're going to win it. And the reason I'm saying that is because when I went on Matt's podcast, I said Sunderland were going to get promoted. And obviously we didn't. We duffed it up, literally won one game in 10 after that. And I've realised I don't really mind the flack that I get back. And I can handle it quite well. So I might as well go in confident. And I might as well say, bugger it, we'll do it. Because what's the point in being negative about it? And with that, I'll ask you all, please, to subscribe if you can be bothered. It doesn't really matter if you don't, but I'm meant to say this. I think it's podcast etiquette. Um, but, Matt, thanks very much for joining me on, on my side for once, mate. I hope you enjoyed being on my side for ah, once. It's been a pleasure. It's been really good. Really enjoyed it. So it sort of get you in the mood now, doesn't it? It's not too far away. It's so weird because all the regular seasons have only just ended and everything's still condensed because of what's been happening over the last 15 months. That Yeah, it's going to come around really quick. And we've got, I think, the first friendlies tomorrow night, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So that'll start getting us in the mood. Digging the England shirts out. I'll have to go and find the old uh, free line CD. And... Yeah, Vin- Vindaloo on. Vindaloo. Vindaloo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love that. What a song. Proper, proper tune. World in motion, though. Best ever. Um, oh, yes. yes. 100% agree. Without that a doubt. John Barnes rap. The Barnes rap man. <laughs> it's iconic. Absolutely iconic. I know every word. Um, also, of course, subscribe to Matt's podcast, even if you're not a Gillingham fan, because it's tremendous content. I find myself listening to it a lot. Um, and I have nothing but care about Sunland, a little bit of Rangers, and a lot of England, obviously, as you've just noticed. And um, so do please subscribe. It's at Gills in the Blood. Yeah, well, there we go. See, tell you, wasn't lying. And and Jack, you haven't got a podcast, but um subscribe to Jack's Twitter account. Just be nice. It's good content, you know what I mean? You might see the odd funny tweet and things like that. So you never know. But what harm is it going to be? It's a click of a button. Come on, follow. You can, you can. And if you don't know how to do that, just ask you, what do you do, Jack? You just ask one of your mates to do it for you. Yeah, exactly. And he's got, and he's got, and he's got, and he's got the snazziest shirt out of the three of us. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, go on, full, yeah, Alfie, full, full Alfie, full Alfie, full Alfie moon tonight. So. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I'll bid you a farewell. Thank you very much.